Good evening, and welcome back to the second-to-last off-season edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hello, hello. <laughs> Hopefully everybody's doing well. We are, um, man, by the time most people listen to this, Rob, we will be 10 days away from I know. the start I, of football I, season. I know we've been saying that every week, and like it's yeah. getting closer and closer. Yeah. I didn't realize that like, next week is game week. Like it's, yeah, it snuck up on me. I'm still thinking it's it snuck up on Labor me Day too. And... And we'll talk about that in a second, as far as, but uh, yeah, it definitely snuck up on me as well. Um, I think I saw women's soccer plays at least an exhibition game tomorrow night or Thursday night. Um, so big games coming up, maybe even a real game. I don't know. I probably have this wrong yeah, now. Yeah, I, I need to go back but, and check. I know that the whole schedule was being posted to Twitter and piped up yesterday. but Yeah, I think I, I saw they played Georgetown on the 22nd, and then I think the men uh, – that may have even been tonight that the men were at George Mason. I don't know. But, um, yeah, men's, women's soccer both getting started, um, field hockey getting started, volleyball getting started. So lots of good stuff going on. And, yes, we are 10 days away from JMU football by the time everyone listens to this. Welcome into the podcast, everybody. Rob and I are thrilled to be talking about real football tonight. We are going to be – covering lots of fun stuff uh as always rate and review us wherever you get your podcast five points five stars for jmusb we are brought to you tonight by our original sponsor pale fire brewing in harrisonburg virginia we are so excited to have we heard from susan at pale fire this week and we're going to be planning something for this fall uh with pale fire over the coming weeks here and really excited to sort of have them touch and base with us again and, and getting back on board. Rob, um, definitely looking forward to getting in there and picking up a growler or two at some point. So yeah, absolutely. Go by, yeah, go by the tap room there in Harrisonburg as soon as you start getting back to town. Um, if you dropped your kid off today and you're still in town, go by the tap room and uh, mention the podcast and you will get a free Pale Fire pint glass. And check out some uh, live music and support local live music. They do a great definitely. job there bringing in a whole variety of acts. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool place to hang out. Definitely mm-hmm. recommend it if you're in town. And uh, Rob, I know I, we, we don't talk, uh, whatever. We don't, <laughs> we have two sponsors. They're awesome. But they, that's also where Ergie's Cheesesteak started. Yeah. And I saw uh, you and I have both, I think, had an Ergie's Cheesesteak um, at Pale Fire before and really enjoyed it. And yes. I was thrilled to see that that is the official cheesesteak of JMU Athletics this year. Um, and apparently will be involved in some way at, um, will be available in some way at Bridgeport this year. So pretty excited to have those guys um, who kind of started with a tent on the Pale Fire porch and, and now have a brick and mortar store there in town and will be the, the official cheesecake of JMU Athletics. So I'm just happy it. they have an official cheesecake. cheesecake. Yeah, me too. Um, and those guys are big fans. I, I know they're Philly guys. They, they really are, but they are big sports fans and, and certainly have bought into everything JMU football related. So looking forward to that. And, of course, we're brought to you by our good friends at Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, you can go by the fly shop there in town, uh, right there on 33, and you can mention the podcast, and you will get a free Mossy Creek Fly Fishing sticker. They are really cool. Um, if you're buying any of these, all this crazy stuff that Carol has on offer for, at JMU Nation, um, you can decorate it with your sticker coming up. So a couple things uh, before we get started. We don't really have an NFL update this week. Um, Rob and I didn't do – I think we had enough to, to look into without going too far around the horn. Um, well, this I, is actually, the, I, I did see one? one thing. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just missed this on Twitter. I was kind of surprised it didn't get more run. But ESPN.com published their list of training camp MVPs oh. and, like, most outstanding players, obviously. Uh-huh. Daniel Jones, taken for the Giants. Which is Excellent. But, um, but, but Jimmy F. and Moreland. For the oh, skins. Nice. Very Which cool. I, I was really shocked that that wasn't getting more hype. Um, clearly, I mean, it's just the preseason and everything, but this is a guy that it's not even really much of a question no. <laughs> that he's going to make the 53 man roster. It's more, and it's, it's almost, I mean, you know more than me, I'm not really following the skins yeah. and I'm trying to just pretend this isn't happening and it's a different team, <laughs> but it doesn't even seem like they're questioning if he'll start but more. It's a matter of what point in the season. Well, yeah. he started to get significant playing time. So, I don't know. He's off to a great start. Um, I, I like beating a dead horse. I wish it was for a different team, but I do wish him all the success in the world. And I, I think it is fun for the fact that so much of the JMU fan base and that terrible team's fan base um, crosses over. <laughs> yes, so yes. That, that is exciting. And it sure is. Really thrilling for and, you and all the other people. And I saw the, the Redskins, um, the, the guy that's projected to be their 
starting nickel corner or slot corner um, is not going to play in this preseason week number three, which is kind of the, the one week that preseason sort of matters. Um, and Jimmy will probably have a lot more. He's one of the two guys in line for considerably more time with the first unit on Thursday night in Atlanta for the Skins. So that'll be fun for a lot of people to watch. Um, certainly lots of Dukes, big weeks for a lot of players. And uh, I think next week we'll have a little bit bigger uh, a roundup somewhere, either here or on the site. Uh, we haven't forgotten the site. We will get back there. Uh, we're excited to say, Rob, that uh, we're going to be doing some cool uh, crossover work with our friends from Smoking Musket, uh, a West Virginia site, next week. So it, it, we're going to have actually something on our website. I haven't done one of those in a while, but a Q&A uh, back and forth with that with those guys. Um, we'll have that up soon, probably sometime next week. And we may even have a little bit of a pod crossover. So I think one of us will probably be appearing on the Smoking Musket SB Nation podcast. And uh, we may have one of those guys over here next week. So that'll be pretty cool in advance of the trip to Morgantown. And then, Rob, my last thing um, tonight was I saw Jalen Ford and Megan Good won the uh, – the pro softball championship last weekend. And Jalen Ford was the MVP of the final three game series uh, through pitched in all three games, I think was the starter in game three and pitched in both of the other games. And I, I know there was a little bit, I don't understand this, what it is, the national fast softball pitch association. Um, yeah. But I know they both pray for that USAA pride team. And it's been really, <coughs> Jalen Ford's been kind of a leader on that team. And, I did read an article where they were talking about how, it, you know, it was surprising that a player not from one of the big five programs is oh, now, the mid-major. Thing? Yeah, is now yeah, I read the that too. MVP of the yeah. soft, pro softball thing. But uh, we certainly expect nothing less from this Ford and this good and uh, really exciting for them. I mean, it's it, that that is neat. And any time they take a pro player and go back and, and give credit to the school in any way you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the point of the article was not like a diss. It was like, no. hey, good players come from everywhere. Yep. Um, but it was a little unusual because wasn't that the team that made it to the Super Regionals mm-hmm. with Ford that hosted? So, I mean, that, was. that was not that was not like somebody coming out of No, it wasn't nowhere. a flash in the pan. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So, that was the Jalen Ford Megan Good team that played but, LSU to Game 3. Um, yeah. don't, don't think that the headline was throwing shade at JMU. It was, it no. was anything but. It was right really telling the story of, hey, there are great players outside of the P5, and here's one obvious example in the world of softball. Big time, yeah. And uh, that was cool, so congrats to them. And, Rob, the, the last uh, sort of before, you know, we're going to do three teams. Well, we're going to do two and a half teams tonight, um, but we're going to do the last three teams that on JMU's schedule tonight, New Hampshire, RU, and Rhode Island. <laughs> yes, that was intentional uh, <laughs> in the middle there. Uh, but before then, the other big news today, a lot of teams, and I noticed JMU was certainly not alone in this, um, both JMU and their week one opponent, West Virginia, named head coaches named their starting quarterback today. Um, West Virginia named West Virginia coach Neil Brown said that Oklahoma transfer, grad transfer Austin Kendall will be starting against the Dukes next weekend. And, of course, the biggest news for us, although I think it was not all that surprising today, but certainly worth touching on, was that Coach Signetti announced that Ben Zanucci will be the starter again this season, um, at least at West Virginia next week. Uh, Rob, I don't know what you made of it. I know that I think we were not, at this point in the season, not overly surprised. Um, both of us, you know, slight mea culpas on our picks earlier this summer in the off season, but not surprising the way that he's looked and the way that there's the talk has been the last month. Um, but I'm pretty excited that the decision was made now 10 days before the game and the players can go ahead and get focused. There's no, you know, last year it felt like such a, who knows what was going on all the way to the end. So yeah, I I, 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 I'm never a big fan of QB battles, but in this situation, uh, Danucci's own quotes were saying it was a good thing to come in and be challenged. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the idea of it being an open competition, certainly with a new coaching staff and a new approach. But I really like the fact that they named somebody a week out. So they're starting game prep. I believe they're probably wrapping up like quote unquote preseason mm-hmm. camp. Probably what? Today. Tomorrow, tomorrow today. Tomorrow, you know? yeah, and then it kind of starts more practice and preparing for the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Coaches always say they don't know, but last year and year before, I mean, I think they really know, but just getting it out there, getting everybody focused, let's go get it, let's go win this game. Um, I think it's good. I, you and I, I think, kind of got labeled like the captains of the Nooch fan club last year. And <laughs> yeah. um, 
we certainly were pulling for the guy, but when Johnson was in there, we were pulling for Johnson. When Maloney was in there for half a cup of, co- cup of coffee against Colgate, we were pulling for him. I mean, there's a difference. Like, we're not saying this guy's without flaws. All, all hmm. quarterbacks have flaws. Um, I just have always said, like, I thought he made a number of good plays. I thought the skills he brought to the table – Mm-hmm. really made him best suited for the job last year due to some of the inconsistencies of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was a – they had a couple rough games. We're going to talk about one tonight with, with New Hampshire and then obviously the Colgate one. But um, we were rooting the guy, rooting for the guy, supporting mm-hmm. the guy. We're not – we've never said he's without flaws. Um, I don't know. I just – I think I, – I know – feel free to disagree here, mm-hmm. Todd, but I kind of had like a visceral reaction – to the pile on this Me team too. was one player away thing. And yeah. so, I, I mean, if I came across as very defensive, then that's a fair criticism. I probably was at times mm-hmm. um, defending the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I, last year's team was a, was a pretty good JMU team. I thought there were a number of weaknesses. I don't think that the season ended early or, or that the failures hang on the quarterback. Um, I'm not going to beat a guy on the way out of town or any of those coaches, but I don't think, some of the game plans and the approaches were as good. I, I didn't really like a lot of the offensive strategy and play calling and yeah. um, so on and so forth. I mean, so like, yeah, Nooch had some really outstanding games last year, had some really brilliant moments. Uh, I thought he played great, even though they lost against Elon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one bad, one bad fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, save that, and we're probably talking about that one as if, you know, that, that might have been like his defining game, the comeback. Um, so I, I, I like it. I like his experience. Mm-hmm. I think – in some sense, he was challenged last year and maybe humbled a little bit. So, mm-hmm. like, hey, FCS football is tough. I can't just walk in here as an FBS guy and take over. Um, by all accounts, everything you've read, he's mm-hmm. had an outstanding attitude mm-hmm. and really put in a lot of work, um, working with some other top college QBs and, and, you know, top tutors. So I'm excited about this year. I like the fact that he welcomed the competition. I like the fact that reportedly he played well enough that, this doesn't appear like it was a very difficult decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. And I think the guy can make plays um, mm-hmm. with a, with a steadier offensive line, a more experienced offensive line, a more consistent offensive approach. I, I think he can be a, a very good, if not, you know, at, at times really outstanding quarterback um, mm-hmm. with a better team around him. Like I, I'm very confident and very much looking forward to watching him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rob, you just said the one thing that stuck out, what you just said, there's one thing that stuck out to me and that was consistent offensive approach. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I think if you go back and look at the Houston era in particular, um, you know, Withers, you can say what you want about the Withers era, but there was no doubt what the offensive approach was throughout the 24 months that Everett Withers was with us. And that was pedal to the metal, go, 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 you know, try to run 100 plays a game and see what happens. Yeah. No matter what that costs your defense and special Party teams. Party in the end zone. Party in the end zone, right? Party in the end zone, right? And I think when Houston arrived, the greatest thing that Houston did in 2016 that led to the national championship was get rid of the softness, right? And yeah. that first season was about instilling a toughness and a philosophy for JMU and – if you remember the first season of Houston, when JMU would go on to win the national championship, the first half of the season was pretty, uh, what would we say, inconsistent offensively? Uh, yeah, and you know, defensively. It and defensively. defense yeah. didn't round in form until That's the, right. the Villanova yeah. game. They really, it was like, whoa, this, this, this is going to be unit. an outstanding defense. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was a little bit ups and downs, and I think that comes with a new regime. And I certainly have some, some concerns about that this year mm-hmm. um, with switching regimes. But I, the one thing we knew that year, and when you, by the time we got to the playoffs, was they were going to hand the ball to Khalid Abdullah, and Houston was going to, you know, this was old high school coach in your face, yeah. grabbing face, masking of offensive linemen, and saying, we're going to get off the ball and hit somebody in the face. And that, they also had receivers that could make plays. Mm-hmm. And I, I, love, I love Shore. But right. Shore had such confidence in his guys. He had a lot of 50-50 balls mm-hmm. go his way. Yep. Um, uh, and if not for that, you know, there, there were games he could have thrown four or five interceptions. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's just bad luck, you know? Yeah. Well, and, but I think that was part of the consistent offensive approach. The yeah. approach was we're going to run it with Khalid until you, until we can't. Yeah. And if that means on third and nines, occasionally Shore has to make a play and throw it up to someone, then that's what we'll live with. But this yeah. is our philosophy and we're going to stick with it. And I thought the last two years of Houston, 
and especially last year, JMU, you know, at well, times. last year it was only two years. Yeah, they, they really got away from – right, sorry. I, I thought – no, right. We, no, we had the year we lost to North Dakota State. Oh, yeah, last year, year we were right. right. But I You're thought right, even in that bad. second year, there became a little bit of like our scheme or our offensive approach is just we're better than you. We have more talent than you. Yeah. And so at some point, like I'll, if I keep throwing this, you know, to the outside, at some point one of these athletes will be better than yours and we'll get a play. Yep. And, and they, I, I, we both questioned like identity-wise what was going on. And so for me, that's pretty cool to think about this year. I don't think there's going to be any th- thinking about that. And as far as that relates to Danucci, um, I know we don't usually plug the other podcast, but the Medea podcast this week, Rob, I got to listen. He had TJ Eck uh, from the TV station and Dave Thomas from the radio booth mm-hmm. on. And they, I thought it was really interesting. They were talking about this year with um, Signetti and Montgomery and the guys that are going to be calling the plays this year. They want to go pretty fast. I mean, they do want to run the ball. But they were specifically talking about Danucci and how the way that JMU wants to approach things and move quickly – doesn't necessarily mean they want to snap the ball every seven seconds, but the way they want to get up and get to the next play, we're not going to see any of that uh, sort of post-play. Look to uh, the sidelines. Yeah, theatrics. And also some of the, like, Danucci stuff from last year. I mean, they were talking about the guns and the celebrations. And, yeah, like, this is going to be the goal for this year is get up, get to the next play. You know, and that could be a really good thing from that sort of offensive approach philosophy way this year uh, that that's really exciting. So I'm with you. I, I don't, I, I mean, who knows, you know, if the other guys were clearly better, they would have won the job. We said the same thing last year. I think the same thing sticks for us this year, Rob, you and I have always had a little bit of a hard time with quarterback. I, I think we have just because our philosophy, our goal as a, as you and I, as Jamie sports blog has always been not to kill kids for sort of exactly. athletic yeah. related, you know, problems. Uh, performance problems, I guess, you know, on the field. And the quarterback is the one position where it's really hard sometimes not to be critical. It's um, also like the easiest target sure. for lazy analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, like oftentimes you see a pick and, you know, you see it one way and it's really right. universally like QB screwed up. Oftentimes it's somebody, you know, somebody missed a block. The receiver right. ran the wrong route. That's right. It was supposed to be a hot route. They didn't go. He threw to a spot. The receiver went the other side. Yep. Like, you don't know. Sometimes it's just a boneheaded throw. Mm-hmm. And goodness only knows, Nooch makes those too, just like every quarterback does. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just the way that certain people, just the armchair quarterbacking of like, oh, we would have won the national championship if Nooch didn't blow it against Colgate. Like, nope. no, no, nope. that's not the case. No, the reason JMU lost games last year was in the games they lost, they couldn't run the ball. Yeah, they couldn't run the ball consistently, and they forced Nooch to be in a position to throw those interceptions. I yeah. think, and if they can run the ball this year, hopefully, a little more growth and maturity from Nooch will go a long way. So, yeah. Rob, you want to get us started tonight with the New Hampshire Wildcats? Well, New Hampshire. I mean, yes. talk, talk. We're talking about a, a game that got away from Jamie last year. Oof, boy, did it! Um, <laughs> this one was ugly. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of caveat everything we just said about like, hey, sometimes yeah. it's. Pure, this was an ugly game all around, but again, it's one of those like tale of two, two stories. If you remember, Nooch had a couple turnovers early, a couple kind of ugly ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie went down. Um, they brought in Johnson. Johnson had a couple turnovers. Fans argued about who was to blame for both of them, and fans of Nooch said they should have left him in, and fans of Koze said, oh, they brought him back. He right. It was just one of those games where the wheels fell off, um, mm-hmm. but they still were in a position where it I mean, it was 35-24. It was an absolutely terrible game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was New Hampshire's best game of the season, I would think. And, yeah, by a long way. And everybody forgets, like, heading into last year, New Hampshire was picked to be kind of the team to, to challenge JMU. Mm-hmm. Um, they really did that for one game last year. It happened yep. to be the game at JMU. Yep. Otherwise, the wheels just came off of them. I mean, they lost Trevor Knight, who – Everybody forgets about, but he was preseason not only all CAA, but he's preseason player, CAA, of the year. player of the year. Yeah, um, he went down in the first game against Maine, I believe, and then missed like I mean, somebody can, yeah. five weeks or something. Yeah, so like easily. he came back and the season was done. Yeah, um, they had a number of other like really big injuries, but it was a tough year last year. They were four and seven overall, three and five in in CAA play, good enough for ninth place. Um, they closed winning three or four, yep. including knocking off JMU. Um, 
they return nine starters on offense, seven on defense. That's a lot. They, that's a lot. They've got a tremendous coach, Sean McDonald. I think he's the pretty clearly the, the longest tenured coach in at this point. He is like yep. twenty one seasons. Yep. Um, last year was the first time in fifteen years New Hampshire didn't make the playoffs. I mean, it was like death taxes. New Hampshire makes the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, they snuck in there a couple times with like didn't they even sneak in there once with like six wins and they and might have yeah five hundred six and four play. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts, but um. The guy can get it done, and part of it is he's always had very strong quarterback play. That's the big question coming into the season, and, and the reason that you know it, you'd almost like to catch New Hampshire, or you'd, you'd always like to catch New Hampshire, particularly if you're going on the road early in the season. Yeah. I feel like it, it's a tough team to play late. They're they're used to cold weather. From talking to players, it's the hardest place to play. The facilities and everything are a mess. It's a um, pain in the ass to get there too. Yeah, Durham, New Hampshire, Durham, where you Illinois. fly in and then you have to take a bus and. Yeah, there's no easy way to make that trip. But actually, talking, I think it's easier to go to Maine than it is to go there, actually. Banger, but yeah. 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 Um, so, I don't know. They don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I, I did some research today. Oh, yeah. Um, you talk about, like, pushing other podcasts and everything. Just when you start to research some of these other FCS teams, it makes you so thankful for all of the great, like, Eck and Oh, Thomas I can't wait to talk about and them Madea later. Yeah, and all oh, those, me like, too. The fact We're that so we have fortunate. so many good coverage. I mean, I mean, people can tune into us and hear this crap. You can't even, you can't even get crap this bad for other teams <laughs> right, right. like i couldn't find anything about about the new hampshire quarterback battle other than the fact that they've got five guys competing for the job it yeah. appears like there's three dudes who are really in the running with two guys kind of separated themselves um but it's like a i think it's like a red shirt sophomore and a, and a true freshman or something like that okay um the one guy who kind of came in and got the most snaps when night went down transferred to a d2 school uh, transferred to New Haven. Okay. So they've, they've got a guy who transferred from Iowa, but I believe they said he was taking snaps with the third team. Okay. Um, so it's down to these two other guys. I, you never know, but I've learned never to underestimate a New Hampshire quarterback. They always seem to be these guys that aren't highly recruited out of high school or anything. Mm-hmm. They're from these prep schools up in New England. Nobody's heard of, and people kind of discount it like, oh, New England high school football. But McDonald coaches them up. Uh, yeah. And interestingly enough, the assistant head coach – and quarterback coach this year is Ricky Santos, yeah. the longtime <laughs> CA football heads. Yes, or, already been, like, legendary UNH quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was he like two four two thousand four? Like that guy could light it up. Oh, he was there um, like an Andre Seminoff length of time. Too. Yeah, he was, oh, he, was really yeah he was there forever. Yeah, um, but came in off the bench his first game, I think, against Rutgers and threw for like almost four hundred yards and was like mm-hmm. this sensation in the CAA. And everybody's like, oh, you know, it was just luck, lucky break. And the guy backed it up. Um, mm-hmm. He could sling the ball. So he's kind of returned home. He was on the coaching staff at Columbia the past couple of years. Okay. He's back in New Hampshire. So he will be grooming and coaching up this QB, which if you're a New Hampshire fan, you've got to be excited about. Sure. With him and McDonald. So I don't know. Like I, This one's it's November, but it's in the bird. Mm-hmm. I think the players, fans might just be like, oh, it's New Hampshire, not that big of a deal. I've got to imagine the players have this one circled, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I do too. And I, I think this is sort of a – it's after the stretch, you know, we know that JMU has a pretty tough stretch. Once they get through the first three weeks, they have kind of an early, that early stretch with Elon and Stony Brook yeah. that I think is pretty challenging. And then they have that little middle stretch with uh, William and Marion and I forget who else, we, Delaware. There's a group in the middle that you could argue is a little bit softer. And then this is when it really picks up again down the stretch. Um, yeah, and I, I'm with this you, is, Rob. This is com- yeah, this is coming it, off. Towson or coming up a bye, but yeah, and then Towson by New Hampshire. So yeah, I think big... this is a big one. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to come back. This was the one game that I really thought JMU got punched in the mouth. Me too. Um, this you know, was the Colgate way game was weird. Colgate. Yeah, yeah. That, that game was weird. The weather. Colgate was really good. The weather was weird. The Houston stuff, and then even in that game, I mean, J- I felt like JMU could win the Colgate game throughout all of the interceptions. Like I never thought that they were out of it or anything. Right? I, think I would they, actually they were argue with, with some of the spineless play calling in the end they sure. should have won right yeah. exactly i mean i but jmu it, at halftime i remember being at the bar with people and being like oh we can still win this you know we got mm-hmm. this i mean jmu had a lead like the new hampshire game we got our ass kicked yeah i mean we flew up there and weren't ready to play and I, I don't know what else to say about it and i do think to me it almost seems like if you're a player on this team unless they were to somehow you know end up with colgate again in the playoffs this year this is a game that would stick in my craw more than the Colgate game. Yeah. I mean, I think if I looked back at last year and I'm Rondell Carter, 
And I think about all the crazy Houston stuff of that week. You know, I don't know. That's just kind well, of this, a, a, this is why you went to Colgate. Yeah, exactly. This know, is the game. Win this game. You, it's you're, yeah. you're like Colgate's coming home. to you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You have main seed or something, you know? Yeah, the New Hampshire game is the game that derailed the season last year. Elon, I think, uh, was a surprise, and the players were caught off guard, but they still, had they kept winning, would have gotten their swagger back. This is the game where they thought, we got a problem. I, I came. I remember coming out of the New Hampshire game, and everybody was like, oh, what can they do to get back in a seed? And I was like, I'm not convinced this is a playoff team. Right, I remember you, know, you like, were. Yeah, they, they, they rallied. They did very well. I believe they followed up with like a real strong win against Towson. Mm-hmm. They did. I don't know. Yeah. But I was really shocked. I was like, I'm not sure how this team is going to react. Because yep. that was the first time under Houston I saw a team just get smacked around. Um, mm-hmm. But they did rally. They played strong down the stretch and, and proved doubters like me wrong. But mm-hmm. this is one they got to have. I'm looking forward to this game. Yeah. As a fan, I, I really respect the New Hampshire program mm-hmm. for something that's kind of in a difficult region and maybe not, not as talent-rich as some of the Virginia and North Carolina schools. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing what they've done. They're so consistent. It's always tough. I'm so glad it's home. I hate when Jamie goes up there. Yep. It always scares me when they got to go to New Hampshire or Maine. And it always seems like it's in November. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. This is a good one. New Hampshire's bringing a lot back, but it's this is kind of lazy of me to say, but it all comes <laughs> down to QB play. Sure does. Yeah. And I think they've got the tools in terms of the coaching staff um, where they can coach somebody up. So I suspect by this time of the year, they're going to have somebody back there who maybe isn't Trevor Knight. Mm-hmm. But it's performing like one of the stronger QBs, you know, an, up, uh, an upper half. I'd, I'd be shocked if they didn't get that sort of performance. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that'd be a good one. So, before we, Rob and I had three to do tonight. We've been doing two a week, but we had three to get through before um, regular preview episode next week that we're very excited about. And we, we, it was funny. We normally, we would never do this, Rob. You got New Hampshire, um, the school in the capital city, and Rhode Island this week. And we decided that the one game we, uh, we're going to kind of take lightly this year was the uh, RU spatters. Yeah. So I, I don't really know what to say here. Um, the ticks are probably the softest game on JMU's schedule this year. Uh, I, I think our friend Zach's predictions may actually be right this year. They are what permanently rebuilding at this point. I, I don't know. They're, they're sort of like Chick-fil-A to Popeye's this week. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just bad. Um, it's really unfortunate that Richmond is, uh, you know, at least William and Mary with London, I feel like there's, there's juice, right? I'd be excited. Like, you know, William and Mary could go four and seven this year and everybody, I'd be okay with that as a William and Mary fan, you know, if it looks like they're making progress. Um, I don't know what Richmond's going to do this year. <laughs> I, I really, yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about them, right? They have well, to have talent, I guess. I don't know. Well, and they bring a lot of guys back. They bring like eight starters on D. They lost – Jamie beat them by like 100 points last year. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – like, I don't know what that everybody, means. Everybody gets very caught up on like, oh, you bring back starters because everybody has this <laughs> false premise that by definition everybody gets better every year, and that doesn't happen. No. Some teams get worse. Some guys don't get better. Some systems are bad. Um, it's – Huseman is, is in a tough spot there. Um, I, I oh, yeah, think I forgot that, he was the coach. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's 30 years. He's been okay. People yeah. act like it's a disaster. I think he was like a game above 500. Yeah. Uh, year one then last year i mean they got smoked by a lot of ca teams but they were like i think what are they four and six somewhere around there i mean it wasn't like they're four and seven it wasn't a mm-hmm. complete train wreck but they were two and six in the caa mm-hmm. so they're really just living off these early season wins and then they just got their heads handed to them um, and it i can't think of anything better like it's just awesome to see them struggling oh yeah and it's just it's one of my favorite things they come to but they come to the berg this year um yeah yeah it's gonna be Exciting times for this one. Late in the season, I think this is the blackout game. Um, my favorite JMU blackout game ever was the Richmond game with the the, who, the quarterback with the picture with the hoodie. I don't, Aaron Corp. Aaron Corp. Aaron Corp. Right. Yeah. Where JMU just destroyed him, and that was, was that, back. Was that Jace Hunter? QB? Yeah, I don't even remember. I was back, yeah, for sure. For us, it was his first start. Yeah, and it was it was back when RU was a legitimate contender. And, and now I just, I, I don't even know what to say about them trying to make a trip to Bridgeforth for a game like this. No, I mean, last year, Jamie won by 53 points. Yeah. Um, and it, and well, every, it did feel every, a little closer than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it felt like a 49 point. Right, um, right. So I don't know what's going on. I feel like Houston's in danger of really losing 
the, the meager fan base they have. People seem to be really tired of them. Uh-huh. Um, it's unclear what's going on. Like if the, if the school really didn't support it. Yeah. Are they quitting on the program? Or... Are they quitting on the program? Or was that just Rocco making noise so he could leave and, and try to pretend like he was doing the right thing? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I don't think they're going to be that bad, but everyone in the media thinks it could be that bad. So well, I just, I'm just going to kind of sit back and enjoy it. I would, I would love it if they were just kind of moved back to seller dweller status. And yeah. Got stomped every year. And, you know, this is a personal uh, pet peeve of mine is I know this game is fun for the, you know, there's a sizable, a very sizable contingent of JMU alums in the Richmond area. And, you know, it's after Northern Virginia. I don't know whether where it's whether it's second or third, you know, largest market of alumni with Hampton Roads. But, you know, it's a big deal for the people who live down there. And needless to say, Richmond has a huge JMU flavor. I mean, probably as much JMU down there as it does, certainly as it does Richmond. Um, you know, maybe I mean, probably second only to only to VCU. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Old Dominion, certainly a lot of UVA people, but that's you know, JMU's a big deal in that in that town. But it's a pet peeve of mine that Rich that so many of the JMU fans make this team out to be our big rival. And I just, if you're paying attention to anything but football. I just don't care that much about the school anymore. Um, you know, they're just, I, I they're not in our conference. Football, I love though. beating them in football. I really do. But they're not, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I don't think JMU really has. I, I think they had a, you know, it, it had old dominion stuck around that, that really was building into something, but you know, we try to make it into Richmond and because that's really the only person left. And sometimes yeah, I, we try to make it into Delaware and maybe if Delaware, I think if Richmond was really good, you're right. This would be a big deal. But sometimes I just get a little, it's a little too much for me with the Richmond stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a little overwhelming, but it's, I, I do feel like their fans are the least funny, like on oh, Twitter. Oh, they or take it the most, far. yeah. They yeah. take the most, like, they just have no sense of humor. Other yeah. fan bases will crack back at you and you can some sure. say, hey, that's good, you laugh. But like, Richmond fans just seem so kind of <laughs> insufferable, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and the way that not they, you, they Satch. Just, not you, Satch. No, no, it's fine. But, like, they just talk down to JMU. Like, it's just terrible. It's just so funny to see him lose. But I'm with you because it's, it's really weird. Like, I enjoy playing Richmond just because of all of our – the JMU presence there. You, you just summed it up. Sure. I also really enjoyed playing William & Mary. You know, and, Me too. and part of that is just the, the state school. But if you're looking at things, I mean, on paper, and there's no argument that Richmond and William & Mary are each other's biggest football rivals. Correct. They've been playing – for what hundred years or for, something forever, like that. Yeah, you know, at, at one time when I was in school, I felt like people got really amped up for the Delaware game because Delaware was the big kid on the block. Mm-hmm. But Delaware and Nova are our big football rivals. Yep. And then so you kind of have like this JMU and who's ever trying to knock JMU off the throne. Yeah. Um, and that's a good position to be in, but it's tough. Like I don't really feel any sort of true animosity towards Elon. I don't really know anybody that went to you like elon is a complete non-factor in my right, right 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 um same thing like stony brook like i don't know so it it is one of those things where you're seeking a rival but in years like this when jmu is good i just view it as who do they got to beat to stay on top mm-hmm. and those are the games games i get amped up for yeah um and i think in in college i don't know if that's easier or harder mm-hmm. like you know a bama fan is going to hate an auburn fan no matter what year mm-hmm. in year out but you know it, the, the players turn over so quickly the coaches turn over I just, I just want to beat the good teams. Um, and, but that all being said, I do hate Richmond. Yeah. I hate the football team. Yes. Um, I don't really care about the school. I don't really care about their basketball team or any of other sports. But football, I, this is one where I, I'm not as hyped as some of our friends about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll lay awake at night on, on years when Jamie loses to Richmond. <laughs> that's, that that's a fair way of saying it. Yes, yes. Oh, well, hopefully we don't have to worry about that this year because Richmond should Mm -hmm. be terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, The last game of the season for JMU, uh, JMU will finish the regular season up in Rhode Island. So they will go up to Kingston to play the Rhode Island Rams, a team that surprisingly uh, had their best season in a couple decades last year. Uh, They have everything's relative. Everything is. Yes. No, this is a team that has been. No, I mean, look, they've been a team that JMU has beaten by 80 points yeah. at certain times in the last decade, um, even when JMU was not particularly good. And 
last year, Rhode Island was, you know, I mean, they were a legitimate team in the CAA, uh, right? They're Middle, competitive. Yeah, they were they're very competitive. competitive. Um, they, they were playing for the playoffs late in the season. Oh, very much so. They, finished them, they were definitely in the mix. Yeah. Finished with a winning record. Um, they got they, they have finally, you know, the school almost dropped football or, or dropped out of the CAA, I guess. Not dropped yeah. football, but almost dropped out of the CAA and then decided to stick around. And there's been a lot of question about, you know, the university's commitment to the program and to the sport. And this year, starting with last year, I think with the coaching regime they brought in and some of the players they let them bring in, they showed a little bit of commitment. This year, they've done a revamp on some of the facilities, Rob. They got yeah. finally put in turf. That was a disastrous grass field at times the last few years. Um, they put in some good-looking turf this year. Kind of gave a little, you know, at least a top coat to the stadium. Um, I mean, and look- you can see it. Like, you drive right at, I mean, the yeah. sky, like the road yeah. in Kingston cuts right through the campus. Right. And you go right by it. And you can see the stadium from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's not a lot competing with it in Rhode nope. Island. Rhode Island basketball is a bigger deal. Sure. And then the Sox and the Patriots. But there is an opportunity there as the state's flagship school to build a little bit of support. You know, mm-hmm. you, everybody in the state can get there within an hour. Yeah. Um, you put together a winning team. I don't know. It would be nice if, if last year was a sign of things to come and maybe a trend upwards. It would be. they were just flat out not competitive for right. years to the point where, like, you, if you went up there, you could read columns in the Providence paper and everything about, like, they should drop the football team. This is an embarrassment. This isn't a good use of state funds. Right. It was getting that bad. And I don't know if you'd want to say this to somebody from Rhode Island, but, I mean, the other two schools of note in the state, Brown and Providence, are not really direct competitors to Rhode Island. No. Um, you know, uh, and, and that's not to say they don't, you know, the, the three schools don't get excited to play each other, but they're three very distinct entities from yeah. each other, you know, and yeah, Rhode I mean, Island really is the state, like you said, it's the state flagship. I mean, Brown is an ultra elite institution. Providence is an old school, big East, you know, basketball, Catholic, basketball Catholic yeah. school, right? Just very different. And um, yeah, it seems like there's opportunity. So that's kind of cool for Rhode Island. This year's team returns 15 starters, Rob. They... Uh, they do lose, obviously, their all-everything quarterback, Jawan Lawson, who was the real breakout star of last year for them. Um, but they bring back their top two running backs, Zoe Bryant and Naeem Jones, their top two wide receivers, including first-team All-CAA and probably arguably the best receiver in the conference last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Apologies to Riley Stapleton and others. Um, Aaron Parker, along with Isaiah Coulter, second-team All-CAA last year. So – the skill positions are there if they can break in a new quarterback and they have a first team preseason all American in Kyle Murphy on the offensive line. Uh, one of the leading draft prospects in the CAA for next year. So there's some talent there on this team. Uh, I think the defense is, you know, quarterback O line and defense is sort of their, they're, they're going to be, Testing out somebody will win the job. Last year, after Lawson went down, they played Vito Priori, played a little bit. Shakari Grant played a little bit. Not sure who the starter is yet. And they'll be breaking in a couple new linemen. Um, you know, they, they do – on defense, they're just – they're a very um, weird team. They bring back all four D linemen from last year uh, who led what was a top 30 overall national defense, so a respectable defense. They lose a whole bunch of players, almost their entire back seven. So – it'll be kind of a weird balancing act for them this year. They should be pretty strong up front, um, but they're going to need, they're going to be asking a lot of those guys. Uh, the one thing I was thinking about with Rhode Island this year, Rob, for JMU's standpoint, it's uh, I have no idea what to expect of this game. Uh, the, this game is the last game of the year. It is in Rhode Island. This could be a disaster from a weather standpoint. Yeah. Right. It's the weekend before, before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving on the water up there in Rhode Island, you know, we've both seen some of these games late in the year. Um, you know, if JMU can't throw the ball at all and that defensive line is still healthy, it could be an interesting day. But it's a, a trap game on paper. Sure. But it also is a weird – the one thing with Rhode Island this year is their schedule. They play – all three of their outer conference games are on the road. Um, they go to Brown, which should be a win but is a rivalry game to some extent. And then they play two FBS games. They play at Virginia tech and at Ohio, uh, yep. um, you know, traditionally very strong Mac program. So those are probably both, you know, sizable losses. I don't know where Rhode Island's going to be mentally by the time they get to JMU. So this would be a real interesting team. I think for JMU fans to keep an eye on 
throughout the early part of the season just to see, you know, if Rhode Island's in that boat where they're six and four or five and five, you know, still playing for a respectable finish or even a playoff possibility, this could be a real, real tough game for JMU to finish the season with. If Rhode Island sort of craters and, you know, is four and something and not playing for much at the end of the year, could be a could be a good season ender for JMU trying to set up something bigger in the postseason. Yeah, it could tune up like some of those old Towson games. Yeah. The the year, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I remember a couple of those. I think when Landers was QB where mm-hmm. it was just like Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's dust this off and improve the playoff resume. Even the last, Jordan. even you know, early Houston. I mean, we saw that when Jamie was with playing Elon. Elon at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah, and they were kind of just like Cole Johnson. Had a big yeah, game. just yeah. you know, coasting to the finish a little bit. So, um, yeah, who knows what yeah, to make I, this game? I, I hope they don't, but I, I expect Rhode Island to take a significant step back from last year. Yeah, That's I mean, not to say that they're not trending up overall, um, but you look at it this year. I mean, you could see them beating William and Mary. Um, they got Merrimack. I mean, that that's kind of a win. Mm-hmm. Albany, I think you'd have to say their Probably favorite, if not yeah. at least a pick them. Um, like Brown, you mentioned. Yep. Then I don't know. I mean, it, New Hampshire and Stony Brook, those are going to be tough. Delaware are going to be tough. But stranger things have happened in the CAA. Delaware seems to drop an early season game almost every year. Every year. Um, and that was the big win for Rhode Island last year. Yeah. That was that, the that sort of, of like our going. program's turning around. We're Doing something different here. Yeah. That got so, I don't know. I mean, the difference is I think they take a step back, but a step back for Rhode Island might be three or four wins, where in years past it was one. Mm-hmm. You know, so three or four wins you can recover from. That's not going to kill a program. Yeah. Rob, um, I did enjoy – I did on the Delaware front. I did hear Brian McLaughlin. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was his own show. I think it was someone else's. Uh, he was talking to – it might have been with him talking to Medea, actually. And – I did enjoy that he thought his pick for sort of national teams that he expected, he thought were overrated and people were sleeping on the fact they might take a step back. One of them, one of his was Delaware. Oh, that, yeah, that would really, yeah. He, he thought that um, the, the talent, he just said they, you know, I didn't realize that they had put almost double digit guys um, into training camps this year. It, um, coming from last year's team, including the first round pick, Nasir Adderley. And he just thought they were maybe going to take a big step back. So that nothing would make that and, happen. And the coach with the most punchable face. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we got to Rob. I want to ask you a quick overtime before we get to the fun overtime. Okay. Um, this is definitely stolen from Medea's great show from this week, um, but different categories. These are uh, sort of gambling questions. Um, if the line, oh, I want to ask you two over unders, Rob. Over under four and a half JMU. Football, you know, alums are on the fifty-three man roster for NFL teams on week one. So four and a half. So uh, over four and a half or under four and a half. And I was thinking about this. So, right, we think Watford, probably Watford, Green, Green, Green and Moreland. I would say yes. Wells, yeah, Wells, pretty good, pretty good. And then it starts to get into like, okay, now we got Dean Marlowe and any of the other, anybody else, Daniel Brown, you know, I I, don't know. I'd say under for 53 round roster, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean, I mean, Brown has a history of playing his way onto it from the practice Mm -hmm. squad. Yep. Um, I think Marlowe is one of those guys who will certainly make it interesting. Mm -hmm. And and I'd love to see him. He was one of my favorite players ever at JMU. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd love to see him play, get some playing time in Buffalo, but I don't know enough about Buffalo's roster. Mm-hmm. I, I would say under. I would think. Those four? I would just think four. Maybe not those four. Maybe swap Marlowe for one of them. And I forgot Stinney. Yeah, Stinney's in there. Uh, Rashard Davis is in there. But I think those are also guys that are kind of practice squatty. There's also. You worry. How does the practice squad work? Don't you only have a number of years you can be on the practice squad? I think so, but I don't. I feel like. I don't know. Yeah, I, I felt the same way as you. I thought Watford, Wells, um, Moreland, and Green all looked in pretty good position from what I could figure out, and everybody else was a question mark. Yep. Um, I think Mar- Marlowe is like one injury away, you know, or one play away from being right there, I think. Yeah. Um, the other guys I'm not quite as sure. So that'll be interesting to see. And then the other one, Rob, over-under of two times, we have to reconnect the pod if we have a guest next week. Oh, over. Over. Okay. All right. Over. All right. All right. That's at the mortgage. All right. So we had another overtime topic tonight to finish out the summer. 
Uh, what was it tonight, Rob? Somebody sent it. We, we got a lot of great suggestions, yeah. as we often do, and people seem to be getting more excited yeah. as they hit in real football. Somebody said frozen cocktails. I thought we'd just open up to favorite summer cocktails, mm-hmm. not not restricting it to frozen. If you want to go frozen, have at it. But you want to go, we can just do a couple. Yeah. You can I go mean, first. I mean, there's really only one answer for me, and it's a gin and tonic, preferably yeah. with Hendrix and a couple of limes. If you can squeeze some cucumbers into it, that's even better. Uh, but that's pretty much, yeah, that's the, uh, that, that cocktail can be a year-round thing, but it's particularly good in the summer for me. Yeah. I came back around to gin and tonics a couple of yes. years ago. When I went to Spain, yes. uh, they, they're all over Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And, like, you go to these bars and you, whatever, there's, like, you get a menu and it's, like, 15 different gin and tonics. And mm-hmm. you just choose your gin and you realize, like, it. You kind of can't mess with perfection no. when it comes to gin and tonics. And um, I'll take Plymouth in a in a lower budget, uh, lower budget option. All right. Yeah, I, I care more about a decent tonic. Oh God, I feel like you can. I've been liking that this year. Now that the, I feel like most stores now you can get like a little bit, you know, Fever Tree, Fever Tree, or, or, Q, or yeah, there's yeah. a little few more better tonics for sure. Yeah, I also like a, a gin fizz just instead oh. of tonic. Just mm-hmm. lot, I do extra lime and then just like a seltzer or soda water. Yeah. I like that sometimes. Um, Jessica drinks Americanos. Okay. Like it's like Ooh. Campari and vermouth. I don't know. And it's like Campari, soda, and mm. vermouth or something like that. I don't oh. know. Somebody could look it up. <laughs> it's very refreshing. It's uh-huh. like a very light kind of lower alcohol cocktail. Uh-huh. But if you like anything on more the bitter side, that's a good one. Okay. Um, and then I will say, I was just, I did an all-inclusive resort with the family okay. and everything. So you, you try all the cocktails and I basically come back around to the fact that I, I like beer, but um you can't go wrong with a pina colada no not at all absolutely i mean that's just a classic it is i can only have like it's like that's not one you want to have a bunch of no it's one one, two things middle of the afternoon pina colada toes in the sand yeah that for me is tough to beat yeah it really is if you're any place and you know this is the thing a pina colada is pretty good whether it's like at any i don't know level of frozenness it's still okay if you get a place where they really are good at making keeping things frozen and making them yes. slushy, then mm-hmm. I can switch branch out into the other daiquiri category. But if they're kind of watered down, I don't care for the strawberry or whatever else as much. Um, and I'm never ordering one away from a beach or resort. Like I'm not going to no, roll into no, a bar no. in the neighborhood. I actually even have to if say, I got those machines. I, I I don't. I wish I can't remember the ingredients. But I also went to an all-inclusive place this year and. They had actually like a juice and smoothie bar mm-hmm. on like kind of in a little beach shack thing. Um, and it was, you know, green, like healthy juices, people coming. Verde, so, yeah. yeah. Like, like, yeah. Green stuff and, and really good. But they also would do, of course they would do an alcohol version. And I have to admit some of those green ones were really tasty with like, Oh yeah. Cucumber and chard and all kinds of stuff in it yeah so. well as, as you get older the sweet tooth for me at least fades considerably and things yeah, things too. that are too sweet are cloyingly so i like those like green juices where it's you know maybe got a little bit of lime and you apple mean like and a, then just other right other stuff it's not cloyingly cloying. sweet like a yeah truly or a natterdays or a oh exactly <laughs> yes exactly Excellent. and then the other thing like margaritas for me i guess would be summer but ironically enough margarita is my favorite apres ski drink yeah I don't know why fun. that is, but oh, like I just, yeah. I, I love them in the winter. I love sitting on the deck of a ski resort. Yeah. Boots on and yeah. having a margarita. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, but that's another good one. In the yeah. Summer, and margarita you know, is one that I, I, I can, you know, it's a once every two months, I probably have four margaritas a year and I really enjoy them, but it's not, you know, it wouldn't be the thing I go to. No, we got a We got a taqueria around no. the corner from us okay. and they make really good homemade margarita mix that isn't that you know neon stuff oh, yeah, in the yeah. box and they really are good and they've got a jalapeno one that is awesome if you like if you like nice. spice so nice well i think that about takes us to the season and rob i'm so excited to write on the blog next week yeah to... we got to find our passwords yeah stuff. we do and stuff like that um maybe to talk to some friends we might even have some good content um we're going to, we got, this is our 10th anniversary season. Uh, we will, if we make it through this football season, we will have made it a full decade of JME Sports Blog. So thank you to everybody who's been with us the whole time. Thank you to those of us who are just joining us for the Kurt Signetti, hopefully new championship era. Uh, Rob, I think I don't have anything else. Next week, we are going to be talking to the guys from the Smoking Musket, and we are going to be talking about JME Football. Game. A real game. 
not to mention, uh, we have two real, you know, decent FCS games this week. In, um, in particular, one, yeah, Colgate-Villanova this weekend. Yeah. So, for JMU fans, definitely go one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, go Nova for sure, Yeah, I guess. I don't – yeah, probably. Yeah, um, yeah at this point. Uh, but, you know, both those teams could be factors in JMU's season at some point down the road this year. I think Colgate, again, the Patriot League favorite. So, certainly could be – on the playoff agenda for CAA teams this year and Villanova, a team we're curious to see what they're all about this year. So that one mm-hmm. and the other one, I think is Samford. Who, oh, Samford Youngstown. So yeah. Youngstown state. So we'll get a Valley team out of the way against uh SoCon. I think it's SoCon. Yeah. SoCon yeah, team. So um, to, you know, I don't know that those teams are as good. That's actually the kickoff classic technically this year. Um, but for, you know, those are two good out of conference FCS games. So have fun, everybody. And don't forget when you're, you know, getting ready for Florida, Miami this weekend, that there's two good FCS games preceding that. So we got some games to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about Villanova on Monday, but mainly we will be talking about the Mountaineers. So, Rob, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, have a good week, everyone. Go Dukes. Jesus and Elvis Painted on velvet Hanging at the bar Here every night It's good to be back again Oh, me and my old friends Beneath the neon cross And the string of Christmas lights Lola built this joint In 67 and a boy went off to fight on Christmas Eve In a war nobody won She lost her only son Now everything he loved is what you see Jesus and Elvis Painted on velvet